It is a truth universally acknowledged that the internet connection in Australia isn't very good. This year, we were ranked 51st in the world when it comes to internet speeds, which means we're pretty slow, roughly 5 megabits slower than Kenya and 7 slower than the United States. And you could say we're not too happy about that. It's going to take you 10 minutes to load a page. You can't watch YouTube. You have to leave it on for a whole day to download the game. You can't watch Stan or anything like that. It took 20, 30 minutes. They're just sitting around waiting for me. You know, unlimited isn't really unlimited. Welcome to Think Digital Futures. My name is Shane Anderson, and this episode, we'll be taking a look at everything from your Wi-Fi signal to the much maligned national broadband network and asking, why is the internet in Australia so bad? Okay, so that question assumes, of course, that it is so bad. Do you think <laughs> yeah. it is? Well, it, we certainly could be a lot better. This is Robin Braun. I'm a professor of telecommunications engineering at UTS. He says there's a lot going on when it comes to Australia's poor connectivity, and not all of it can be blamed on the technology. We are not very high in the OECD listings, and we're not, you know, with our peers, we're, even compared to New Zealand, we're not, we're not as good as New Zealand is, uh, but we're not as bad as many places. Parts of Africa or even parts of Europe are not nearly as good as we are. We're kind of middling then. So what are some of the countries doing better than us? The really good, well-performing countries are countries like Korea and Japan and many parts of Europe. And uh, much of that is because those countries have understood the benefits of investing in, in Internet infrastructure and particularly investing in what we call the access part of the internet, which is the connections to our homes and the connections to our premises. How is it actually impacting us? Yes, so, I mean, essentially it takes longer to download whatever we want to download. And it turns out that as the years have progressed, we want to download more. The, the things we download have a richer content to them, and that requires more data. Right, and, and what across Australia, is there an average bandwidth that we have? Uh, well, there is an average bandwidth. It, it's not a very good sum to even talk about because it doesn't mean much because most of the problems come about when the network dissolves. It's, you know, it doesn't operate or it gets congested and it can't continue. The bandwidth that we are getting is generally quite sufficient for the downloads that we need, you know, downloading a movie or making a movie available. But it's just not enabling us to create this new type of internet that we wanted, this new kind of dream that we, that we all had of this, the second version of the internet. What about pricing for the internet? Is Australia paying a lot for the internet compared to other countries? We often think that we are paying more than we should pay. And I think that in some cases, in certain circumstances, we are. Uh, we certainly pay more than we should for our mobile phone services. Yeah. I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, particularly on the data side of mobile phone services, we certainly pay far, too, far more than we should. You know, where the norm, for example, in many countries in Europe is unlimited data on mobile. And uh, whereas our service providers are, you know, limiting us to perhaps 10 gigabytes per second. Um, you, I'm assuming as an academic that you do go overseas yes. a fair amount. Yes. So when you're overseas, do you notice the difference in the internet? Um, okay, well, I can relate a story to you. Last week I was in China 
Um, the actual download speeds that we were getting was fantastic. Um, China's still not a symmetrical bandwidth, so it's still very much the old-style internet. Uh, some sites you don't connect to at all in China because of the um, Chinese policy of controlling access. The Great Firewall. The Great Firewall of China, that's correct, yes. Um, other places that I've been to, uh, I was in Israel, for example, about a year and a half ago, and the, the internet speeds were remarkable, were outstanding. I mean, I could, I, I could never have used my, the bandwidth that, were, that, I, that were, was available. Yeah, so when, when you are in Israel and you're noticing the internet's really fast, mm. In, mm. in what ways are you noticing it? Well, it, it's download speeds mostly, and it just happens so much quicker. But if you're downloading something, it's there before you, you realise. Whereas, uh, I suppose in Australia, it depends again what you're looking for, it's, it probably takes a little longer to actually... I decided to test out my own internet connection by Skyping some people about their experiences with the internet speeds in Australia and whether or not this is something that actually affects their everyday lives. Hey, uh, my name's Jason and uh, I play video games online, mainly on PC. What do you game? At the moment, League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, Overwatch. How often do you play? Not every day, uh, now, now <laughs> full-time. So the computer games, are they all inherently online or can you play them offline as well? All the, all the four I mentioned are purely online play games. For online gaming, I wouldn't really say our speeds get in the way. That said, there's other peripheral things to gaming where the speeds might affect it. Suppose you get home, you know, you get a message from your friends to play a game, but then there's an update for the game. So, you know, you jump on your computer, all the mates are waiting to play with you, and you've got to update the game. Because of our speeds, the download will take longer than if we were, say, in America, it might take three, four, five times as long. So uh, You let the team down. <laughs> yeah, we ended up, you know, getting in together, but they just had to wait and twiddle their thumbs, I guess. I remember that first night we got NBN. Do you remember, like, what you were trying to do on the internet at the time? Well, me and my brother came home. It was like 6 p.m., 7 p.m. And mum said, we've had people come in, put like the NBN in, so the internet should be better. And me and James were both sitting in our bedrooms, texting each other saying, has your page like loaded yet? He was trying to get on like ASOS and just load pictures of clothes. I think I was just trying to like look up the doctor's phone number or something. We were just sitting there for ages. We kind of like said to mom, oh, oh, you don't think it's working that well. And she phoned, I think, Telstra. And the answer we got from Telstra was, it's because everybody's trying to use the internet at the same time in your area. Me and James are just thinking, well, of course everyone's trying to use it at the same time because it's 7 p.m. Like everyone's just gotten home from work. I'm not going to look up the doctor's phone number at 3 a.m. just so I can get it faster or whatever. K 
can we talk about the internet in Australia without also talking about the NBN? No. So the NBN stands for National Broadband Network. We can go back 30 years. Uh, 30 years there was a decision to split the then telecommunications operator into two parts. And at the time, the decision was made to create two vertically integrated networks, so networks that would retail connectivity services as well as provide the infrastructure. And those turned out to be Telstra and Optus. And then it became apparent that that was the wrong model that in fact it should have been a horizontal split. It should have been split into retail and wholesale, which is a more natural split in our our commercial world. And so in the early 2000s, the Labour Party started to think that they had to find some way to correct the misdecision that they'd made in, in the late 80s. So they started to put out tenders and get requests for Telstra in fact, to restructure itself and for this possibility of building infrastructure, which Telstra was not inclined to do. So the outcome of that was that Labor said, well, if Telstra's not going to do it, we're going to force their hand by creating a new infrastructure that was in parallel to Telstra's. So that was what the NBN was, a new infrastructure. Really, its purpose was to twist Telstra's arm to agree to a restructuring. Would you say that the issues with the NBN are technological or more political? Oh, definitely more political. The NBN is focused on using fibre. Fibre is very well established and there are very few technical issues with fibre. Like the, there's a very interesting little calculation. It turns out that the infrastructure that is currently being rolled out, the uh, fibre to the node and then the local access from the node, requires quite a lot of power. In fact, I did quite a calculation, and I think the country might have to build a a new power station just to power the last bit of the NBN, whereas fibre to the node would have required none of that power. The old technology that uses the telephone wires actually requires quite a lot of power. So it's a huge waste of money and electricity. Yes, and (laughs) it was made for political reasons that were not very valid. The thing that disappointed me over the last 10 years is this complete lack of understanding in the political world of this balance of download to upload, the symmetrical idea of symmetrical bandwidths going up and down. Yeah, is that something, I mean, you said there's more to internet than the high download speed. Is that something that's often overlooked in the public debate then? Absolutely. So at the moment, if you ever hear one of our uh, politicians talk about the internet or the NBN, they'll talk about download speeds. There's absolutely no understanding of this idea of symmetrical bandwidths and upload speeds. The original NBN was designed for what we called fibre to the premises. So we had fibre right into the home. So fibre is really just a medium that's used for carrying data. The important thing to note about fibre is it's an enclosed medium So it's relatively distortion and interference-free, and it has very, very high bandwidth. For example, the bandwidth of a telephone wire might be 1 megahertz, which is, sorry, 1,000 kilohertz or 1 million hertz. And that's what we need just to have the conversations we have across the telephone. Well, the telephone line itself only uses about 4,000 kilohertz. So it's even much, much narrower than that. But we've been clever enough to work out how to use about one megahertz of it. Now, in the case of fiber, 
it's probably about 10 to the power of 9. So that's 9 noughts broader than the telephone wires. But fibre to the premises is not quite what we've ended up with, right? When the change of government came and the uh, coalition came back into power, they'd been bashing the internet, as we all know, and the way that they were able to, if you like, justify what they were going to do was to give us this so-called cheaper option, which was fibre to the node, which meant that it still had fibre, but fibre went to the top of the street. And then the connectivity from the top of the street into each home was still going to be the copper that had been used previously for telephone networks. So is this where we start to hear people saying that they've had the NBN connected, but it's just as slow as it was before? Is that because it's still that copper cable? Yes. So that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is the way that it's been structured. So many of the so-called network service providers providing us with NBN services have not been purchasing sufficient bandwidth from the NBN. So that's been one of the issues. But the other very big issue is the fact that they're still choked, if you like, by the copper that's going into the home. There has Mm. been a big blame game in politics, but if we Mm. look at the broader context of the NBN, do you think this is the government's fault or do you think the service providers also play a role in it? Yes. Well, the, the, it's, it's partly government fault. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's the government hamstringing NBN, if you like. So the NBN could have spent the extra $5,000 per premise and taken fiber right into the premise, which then would have meant that there was essentially unlimited bandwidth in, into each premise, or you know, 100 megabits per second type bandwidth into each premise. But because of the uh, fiber to the node situation, that last bit got choked. So what have we ended up with instead? What does the cheaper version look like? The cheaper version does not have symmetrical bandwidths, and that's an inherent problem with the copper that we have. It's to do with the way that the star structure of a copper network is created. So we don't have the symmetrical bandwidth, so we don't have the new version of the internet. So that's that's already a problem. Um, A few premises have landed up with um, fibre to the home, and that was before the the change of government came. This was installed, and they do have symmetrical bandwidths, but very small number. And to be honest, the saving that's come about as a result of that is, in fact, no saving at all. So ultimately, it would have actually been better for us to spend the extra money and put the fibre into the home straight away. Overall, do you have much hope for the utopian promises of the NBN? I think that we need to be able to say goodbye to our current crop of politicians. And I think once we've done that, we might have some politicians who will believe in changed infrastructure and improved infrastructure. I mean, that might be the one side of it. The other side of it is that we might be forced to spend the money. You know, we might find that we do start falling behind the rest of the world. And would you say spending the extra money is a worthwhile or maybe even necessary investment? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've done some you know, calculations. I've shown in my calculations that the better connectivity we have, the more we're going to get people off the roads, for example. There are all kinds of follow-ons or consequences of bandwidth. 
So you're saying that faster connectivity in the internet will reduce the need for us to be getting into our cars and yes. producing carbon emissions because we can just connect with someone over Skype instantaneously. Yes, absolutely. There's a whole different world. If we have good connectivity while we're in the train, for example, we might want to use the train. It does seem the internet in Australia is maybe a bit of a scapegoat. And you did mention at the beginning that it depends whether or not the internet in Australia is bad depends on how you perceive it. Mm. Do you think a part of this is just Australians complaining about the internet because they can? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, you know, some parts of the world that I might go to, they have much more pressing problems than worrying about the internet. So we tend to complain about things because we can and because not much else is wrong in Australia. Being 51st in the world for internet speeds might not be so bad. That is, unless you're trying to download every season of Friends simultaneously or you game online, you actually have the NBN, you live more than two kilometres outside the major city centres, so you actually know what the deal rider is downstairs or just really want to watch Better Call Saul. Listening to Think Digital Futures. This show was supported by the University of Technology Sydney and 2SCR and broadcast right across Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to find out more about the show, visit 2SCR.com slash think hyphen digital hyphen futures. And we're also a podcast, so search for us on your favorite download app. And don't forget to leave a review. Thanks to Jason and Alice for humoring me over our Skype conversation. My name is Shane Anderson. Thanks for listening.